This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope you guys are having a good day today. We got plenty to get to on this fine Tuesday. I'll have Ben Gessling on in a little while. Covers the Vikings, of course, for the Star Tribune. Wanted to pick his brain a little bit now that the Super Bowl is over. We should be seeing the introduction of Kevin O'Connell as Vikings head coach later this week. Parade for the Rams is Wednesday, so maybe kind of guessing at that timeline could see an introductory news conference. You know, later in the week, maybe Thursday could be Friday, but um, somewhere in that uh, in that time frame, we should be seeing him formally introduced as the new Vikings coach. And there's a lot of things that go along with that now that his attention is not divided. So Ben and I talked about so many of those things: the Kirk Cousins question. Offensive coordinator stuff, defensive schemes, salary cap. We got to a lot of that. Get to the Patrick Beverly one-year contract extension here in a little while, too. An interesting move by the Wolves. Not entirely surprising. You've been hearing a lot about potential extension for Beverly. A one-year extension in the middle of the year doesn't happen all that much, but it makes probably makes some sense given where both the player and the team are right now. And I will take a look at the latest absurd um, Major League Baseball proposal for uh, trying to solve this whole lockout situation and the labor woes that are going on right now. But first, what did I miss? Got to start with the Wild today. 7-4 win over the Red Wings on Monday night. Matt Boldy the rookie with a hat trick and you guys I've not seen outside of Kirill Kaprizov who we thought would do something similar to what he did last year now we, we couldn't have predicted how good he was going to be that he would just be a you know a, a runaway Calder trophy winner that he would you know blossom into this star caliber player so fast but of players who you know maybe have a strong pedigree but aren't you know ticketed for superstardom right away. I can't remember a player coming in in this market, any sport, and I'm serious, any sport, and playing this well this fast. Matthew Boldy now, he's played in, uh, I think he's played in 13 games for the Wild, and the Wild are 11-1-1 in those games. He has seven goals now, seven assists, a plus 10 in those games. He is totally revamped Kevin Fiala's season, has great chemistry with Fiala, got a lot of power play time in that 7-4 win and that hat trick. Um, Two of those goals were power play goals, and he had a power play assist as well in that game. One even strength goal to go with that as well. But yeah, Boldy, that line, you know, he's totally transformed that Fiala line, and that's given the Wild even more depth. And we've talked about their depth all season long. You got the Kaprizov line rolling well with Hartman, typically. You got that Erickson Eck, Felino, uh, Jordan Greenway line that's been really good. The fourth line has been solid all year. The mystery, for a little while at least, was trying to trying to unlock Kevin Fiala, trying to figure out that kind of other scoring line with Kevin Fiala. And Matt Boldy has certainly unlocked that. They've been tremendous together. And, you know, Really, they're starting to get some starting to get some national starting to get some national platitudes, and I think rightfully so. Um, you know, just hearing from a lot of different uh, you know, a lot of different folks thinking the Wild are you know are legitimate contenders, and I think I would agree with that. 
I saw a tweet. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Um, you know, I think they're legitimate contenders, though. Here's here's a tweet from uh, uh, John Butchigras. says, The Wild are a top-five NHL team, balanced, no passengers, a star in Kirill Kaprizov who makes this whole thing go with his charisma and star power. He should finish high in the MVP voting. Now, he was also... Um, he was also uh, promoting they were going to be on ESPN Friday. He's going to be on that call with uh, Brian Boucher and Emily Kaplan um, against the Panthers, which should be a very interesting game. Um, but, yeah, top calling them a top-five NHL team is not out of the question. I think, that's, I think that's kind of where they sit right now, especially after beating Carolina the other night, um, you know, having a solid you know, seven goals against, uh, against Detroit. I mean, this is a team that – Really feels like it's got something going this year, and you know, and Boldy has only reinforced that. Came along at a time where they were scuffling a little bit, and really kind of re reinjected some pace into the lineup and got them going back on the on the direction they were going in the in the early part of the season. Now here is Wild head coach Dean Evason after the game talking about Boldy and that Fiala line. Yeah, I mean he's clearly playing very well. That line's. Um, giving us a real good spark in, in, as you said, all areas of the game. Um, offensively, clearly, um, they've been real good, but none of them have been cheating the game, Kevin included. Um, and it's been, you know, it's easy, obviously, to play them on all situations, but there's no, no, no question Bowles' uh, you know, skill set is elite. Nevison, like all coaches, likes... Players who play both ways, players who, like he said, don't cheat the game. That certainly is Boldy so far this season. So we will see if he can keep this going. And if he can, that only makes the Wild more dangerous as we start thinking towards the playoffs. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to be joined on Daily Delivery Day by Ben Gessling, Vikings beat writer for the Star Tribune. I wanted to have Ben on for a bunch of different reasons. It's uh, going to be a lot more Vikings talk, I imagine, this week, Ben. With We, we imagine the Kevin O'Connell news becoming official at some point soon here. So maybe right off the bat, you know, as we think about, you know, Kevin O'Connell, Winning a Super Bowl with the Rams as the offensive coordinator there. What, uh, as we think about timelines, what what do we what do we think we know about what might transpire this week? Well, I would expect a press conference later this week for him to be introduced. I mean, the, the fact that he won the Super Bowl means that he's going to want to be able to enjoy that a little bit. And I think the parade in Los Angeles, I believe, I saw was scheduled for Wednesday. So you can kind of work off of that. I think in terms of a timeline for. A press conference. I, I would expect that he'll get a chance. I mean, he's he's from Southern California, wins his first Super Bowl at age 36. I think the the Vikings will give him a chance to enjoy that before coming to Minnesota and saying goodbye to the warm weather for the foreseeable future and uh, starting his new job. So I would expect after that parade later this week is when we finally start to see him announced. Uh, as the next coach of the Minnesota Vikings some 40 or so days after Mike Zimmer was fired. Now, we've already seen them hire a defensive coordinator. You ported that last week at Donatel. Um, what's, you know, as, as we think about um, O'Connell getting in here and 
kind of getting down to business with his attention, no longer divided on trying to assemble a staff and trying to win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, what, what do you think are, you know, aside from, you know, hiring an offensive coordinator, filling out his staff, what, you know, how, how fast do these things move and what is on, you imagine his kind of priority list once this becomes official on, you know, Thursday or Friday or whenever it might be. Well, I think he's been able to do a fair amount of the work of, of building his coaching staff. And I think Wes Phillips would be the bet I'd have for offensive coordinator in terms of where they end up going. I think they still have to figure some things out there, but the Rams tight end coach, uh, son of Wade Phillips, grandson of Bum Phillips, will, I expect, be the next offensive coordinator. And then you try to fill out the rest of the staff from there. They have a lot of coaches in place already, whether it's Keenan McCardle staying in Minnesota as a wide receivers coach or bringing in guys like, uh, I believe, Curtis Bodkin is going to be the running backs coach and run game coordinator. So there are a lot of these things that have been worked out kind of behind the scenes, even if they haven't been officially announced yet, because he has been either working on them or giving people a list. The coaching staff is farther along than the time frame of this announcement would otherwise suggest. I don't think that's a huge concern, but they do have to start to make some decisions here fairly quickly on free agents. They have to evaluate the roster. There's all of these things that have to get done here fairly quickly. And in that sense, it's almost, it, it, it's the Vikings are working off the same timetable as a Super Bowl team. They are waiting for their coach to start until after the Super Bowl because he was in the Super Bowl. And you hear teams talk all the time about it. winning a Super Bowl does put you behind in preparations for the next season. And I, I always sort of shake my head when that comes up because everybody always wants to win a Super Bowl. But the reality of when things have to get done for the start of the 2022 season with, the, with free agency in a month, with the combine only a couple of weeks away, there is a timetable here, and they do have a lot of work to get done in a fairly short amount of time once they make that official and once they get the whole coaching staff officially under contract. Now, obviously, the Rams, <clears throat> Sean McVay is an offensive-minded head coach. You know, O'Connell coming from that McVay tree. Um, anything you saw during the Rams' playoff run uh, or particularly from Sunday's Super Bowl that you say – you know, that's something I want to see more of here, or I don't know if you've, you know, really d- dug into kind of schematically what, what might happen here, but as you, as you kind of think about what, what they run in, in Los Angeles, what's, what do you feel like is most transferable or you feel would like to be most transferable to, you know, to the, to at least the current personnel that the Vikings had in 2021? Yeah, I, I think you're going to see some changes in the way they use people. And Andrew Kramer and I got into this a little bit for a story that ran on Saturday about some of the things that we might glean from the Rams with Kevin O'Connell and the Bengals from with Zach Taylor, who also is from the Sean McVay tree in terms of how the Vikings will pattern their offense. I think the big thing you're going to see is the days of let's line up with two tight ends. Let's line up with CJ Ham on 30 plays a game. I would be a little surprised if it's, if it's going to be that going forward, the Rams and the Bengals were, the teams that use three receiver sets more than any other in the league, uh, 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end, and three receivers, has kind of become the base package for a lot of the NFL, but the Rams and the Bengals used it more than anyone else. And the Vikings were down near the bottom with the uh, four or five other teams that like to rely on heavy personnel. I would expect you're going to see things spread out more. You're going to see probably K.J. Osborne be a direct beneficiary of this, where it's three receivers on the field a lot more often. I think they'll try to turn Justin Jefferson loose. I think they'll try to 
uh, involved Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen in the running game as blockers quite a bit, and they'll probably go from there. You're going to see, I think, a different employment of personnel and a willingness to run out of passing formations probably more often as part of this iteration of Sean McVay's offense. A lot of the principles are the same, but it will be a different application in terms of the players you put on the field to actually run it. Now, you said that that benefits, obviously, someone like you said, like K.J. Osborne's that, you know, when you're not running two tight ends, I imagine that depending on the scheme, it probably puts a little bit more pressure on offensive linemen to a certain degree or Kirk Cousins if he's still the quarterback to make decisions. I mean, that's, that's got a trickle-down effect on your whole scheme, and especially the offensive line, I would think. Yeah, it certainly does. And I, I think you're going to see a lot of the zone stuff stay. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to see a massive change in the way they do things. But if you are pass setting more often, I think you'll see them throw more. So if you're an offensive lineman that is pass setting more often, they'll have to probably get better at that. They have not been a great pass protection offensive line for an awfully long time. And you're going to have to have guys that are more effective in that parts of part of their job if they start throwing 65% of the time rather than 53, 54% like they've been. So, I mean, it is going to change things that way. And I think you had offensive linemen at times talk about it's more fun for us to run block because we can go forward. We can exert our will on opponents. All that stuff is, is fine and good. But I do think if you are trying to shift the scheme, you are going to see that offensive line probably affected by it and needing to change what they do fairly quickly. Now I brought up Kirk Cousins. It's not like we haven't talked about Kirk Cousins, especially as it relates to Kevin O'Connell. Obviously, he worked with him in 2017 as Washington's quarterbacks coach in Kirk Cousins' final season there. And I wrote about this a little bit today, but just kind of more of a wondering out loud almost. But the Rams just won a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford, who I, I don't know where you put Matthew Stafford in the NFL quarterback pecking order, where you put him in relation to Kirk Cousins. But I think in a lot of different ways, you could at least make the case that they are somewhat similar, that they had similar backgrounds and pedigrees until this year when Matthew Stafford gets to a really good team and wins a Super Bowl. Does the experience that Kevin O'Connell had with Matthew Stafford in Los Angeles, is that another piece of evidence is maybe the wrong word? Is that a, is a, a factor, would you imagine, in their assessment on whether or not to keep Kirk Cousins or try to trade him? I, I think it is. Uh, I should tell you, though, Kramer is very bitter with you about this take. He, Andrew Kramer, we were talking about this. We just were in a meeting today, and he's like, you can't compare Stafford to Cousins. He, he's, well, he's a, a much he's, bigger Stafford guy. He's a staff. He's been a Stafford guy from the jump. He and I had a big thing about yep. that when they traded for Stafford. I was like, yeah, he's not the guy. He, he's, he's Team Stafford. So he's, he is. he's a little bit uh, – he was a little bit fired up about that one today. But I, I, I agree with you in the sense that whether Stafford is 10% better than Cousins, whether he's 5% better, whether we think they're the same guy, whether we think Cousins is a little bit better, I, I don't know that it matters a ton. I, I think they're close enough that you are going to have a coaching staff that could reasonably look at it and say, you know what, if we just did this with Stafford, we should be able to do it with Cousins. It, it's not like the skill set is – so different and Stafford's more mobile Stafford makes a lot more throws off platform I think yeah I mean, you saw certainly some of that in the Super Bowl and I think that is one of the areas he sets himself apart but you're not talking about a guy that's Aaron Rodgers level elite or 
uh, Lamar Jackson in terms of Im- improvising or even Russell Wilson in terms of throwing on the run, they are close enough that you could certainly have a, a coach, and I think you will, in Kevin O'Connell that says, you know what, if we could do this with one and win a Super Bowl, there's every reason to think we could do it with the other. The catch, of course, is the Rams have probably two Hall of Famers in their front seven. They have a yeah. very good shutdown corner in Jalen Ramsey. You have some work to do for the Vikings to get to the point where they rebuild that. But, yes, I do think that the perception of Stafford being close enough to Cousins that this is a replicable formula is going to factor into their thinking. Where's the money, Brzezinski? Is that the correct thinking, though? Because I think, to Andrew's point, I think Stafford is better than Cousins. I don't think Stafford is in that, you know, whatever you define, wherever you cut off your quote-unquote P.J. Fleck elite tier, I don't think Stafford is in it. Maybe, Maybe Andrew wants to put him in that. I think he's, whatever tier he's in, he's slightly above Kirk Cousins, maybe like you said, 10, 15% better than Kirk Cousins, but not Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, even Russell Wilson territory, like, like you had mentioned. Um, so, but, but we also have this evidence with Cousins that he had some years here where the supporting cast was pretty good and the results were still pretty average. So is, is, that, the, is that the right direction, even if it's a defensible position? Well, and that's, I think, going to be the big question It is, can you figure out how to use him in a way that helps him make the jump? Or is he just kind of what he is? And I think he's done it long enough that if you were expecting some kind of a significant elevation in his performance, you're, you're probably tilting at windmills a little bit there. I, I think it's, it's hard to sit there and say that he's going to be a, a drastically different quarterback in year 11 than he has been in years one through 10. I will say you can, you can go forward with this for a year and not have it affect you all that much. You would have to figure out some other ways to clear cap space because they do have that issue and cousins is the easiest way to do it. But if you make some other decisions that we're not going to move forward with certain defensive players, we clear cap space that way, you could play this out for a year and say, let's try it with cousins. Let's see how it goes in this scheme or this iteration of this scheme. And do we want to make a decision to go forward with them after that? That is an option, and it doesn't hurt you all that much if you decide to do it unless you decide to keep them and then it gets more expensive. But I I think there's at least a scenario where you could say, let's try this for a year, and we're not locking ourselves into a five-, six-year contract off the jump. I I think you at least have that kind of try-before-you-buy sort of option available to you if, if you're not sure. And if you extend him, it's not like you can't trade him in two years either. So there's, yeah. you know, we, we can't, you know, it, all of this is very fluid, I'm sure. A uh, couple more things for you, Ben Gessling. One, you had, you were something interesting when they agreed to terms with, or announced, not announced, but they, they you know, you reported they were going to hire uh, Ed Donatel, the veteran defensive yeah. coordinator, and just, you know, what scheme he might run based on what he's run before and what that might mean for some defensive players. And, you know, we don't know exactly what they're going to do yet. They haven't even, you know, announced a full staff. We haven't heard, even heard O'Connell talk about that really, but, you know, based on what we know about what he's run um, crystal ball wise, are there certain players on the roster that you're less certain will be here now than, than, you know, maybe you were a couple weeks ago. Well, I, I think the, the interesting thing here is they have a lot of, defensive linemen who this would affect the most and and to be clear about it we're talking about do they ship to a 3-4 base defense yes. does it become 
for the first time, I think since the 1980s, a three-man front. And does that mean they're looking for different types of defensive linemen going forward than what they've had? They, they have played with their defensive linemen in a way that is somewhat transferable to a 3-4 because Mike Zimmer was always big on we're going to play blocks. We are going to suck up space on the line of scrimmage rather than just you know blasting past the offensive lineman on the way to the quarterback. We're not going to play it like Jared Allen did, for example. We're <laughs> going to have guys that can close off space and let our linebackers run. That is typically what you're looking for in a 3-4. You want defensive linemen that can take up space, probably take on two blockers, be responsible for two gaps on the defensive front if we want to get technical about it, and then let those linebackers run. The, the question is where does your pass rush come from in that type of a setting? And, and typically, in a 3-4, you're looking for your outside linebackers to be the guys that get 13, 14, 15 sacks a year. And do the Vikings have players that can shift into that type of a role? Daniil Hunter is the obvious question because athletically, he has been versatile enough and he's dynamic enough that you could probably sit there and think, you know, if we wanted to put him in a 3-4, I suppose we could, could look at it. I just, I don't know that, Asking him to drop into coverage on a regular basis at this right. point in his career is the wisest idea. Maybe you leave him at defensive end and say, we're just going to roll with it and have this guy play with his hand on the ground the way he has done for the better part of his career. But that, I think, is going to be the big question, is what do you want to do with him? What does he want to do? He was close with Andre Patterson. Does he want to do another deal here, or does he want to look for something else? I think players like Michael Pierce, who may become a bigger part of this thing, but also missed a lot of time last year. What do you do with him? What do you do with Dalvin Tomlinson? I mean, those would be the, the guys on the front that I think would be the most directly impacted by this. And Pearson Tomlinson certainly project into a 3-4 fairly easily. But do you want to move forward with all three of those guys? How does your cap situation play into that? I, I think that's the obvious question because, you know, guys like Eric Kendricks, guys like Anthony Barr played in a 3-4 in college. I'm not sure Anthony Barr is here, but – they could do it. They have done it before, and I think their skill sets profile for that. But those defensive linemen, I think, are going to be the obvious kind of first questions the Vikings would have to do if they make the shift. And Hunter has that roster bonus in about a month, right? Eighteen million dollars, yep. and that's the yep. that's the part of his contract that's not, you know, that's that's not dead cap. So you could save eighteen million if you decide you just want to move on from Daniel Hunter, but then you don't have Daniel Hunter. So there's a lot to that factor is the it is a conundrum. It's a, you know, what you, we're eager to get rid of some players to save cap space, but then it's like, well, you're going to, are you going to fill the cap with better players than that? That is a question to ask. Last one for you, Ben. Um, Aaron Rodgers has said he will make his decision relatively short order. I believe he's, didn't he say like by the end of this month, I think. Um, as yeah, far, I as think far he as gives them space before free agency. As far as his future in, you know, Green Bay goes, and there's been plenty of speculation on all of that, you know, let's be honest, how much of what he does influences the direction they might want to go Vikings-wise in 2022? Yeah, I, I think it's certainly a big question because, I mean, if he's not there, the entire projection in the division changes. I mean, yes. you go from thinking that's the team we have to get past to this thing is wide open. There is no reason that we should think that we can't win that division in 2022 because if Aaron Rodgers leaves – the Vikings now have the most stable quarterback situation in the division if Cousins is still here. And yes. I, you can argue, is it stable or is it kind of stuck in the middle and, and you're not going to be able to move forward with it? I, mean, I think that is a valid conversation. But you're not sitting there wondering, 
can we have a starter that can even play at a representative level in the NFL, like the Packers would be doing with Jordan Love, like the Bears are still doing with Justin Fields, and the Lions are going to have to figure out who their guy is, probably moving beyond Jared Goff. So if Rodgers is not there, I think it has to change the, th- the thinking because if you feel like you can get in and win the division, you have a home playoff game. They haven't had a home playoff game since the Minneapolis Miracle. So even the ability to get one of those is a big deal. And the Wilfs have talked about wanting to be competitive. They are not typically terribly interested in the rebuilding projects. They want to have teams that are in the mix, that are relevant, that can be in the playoffs. And if Rodgers is not there, I certainly think selling them on, hey, you know, we're going to tear this thing down and we're going to give it a year or two before we're back and ready to win. I think it's a little bit of a harder sell because they would say, well, wait a minute now. Why can't you go win this division this year when the the main reason you haven't been able to win it is no longer there? So, yeah, I I think 100 percent it changes the thinking. The question of whether it should, I think, is a conversation we could have. But I, I think given the way they look at this thing and given the way this division has been uh, the way it has set up for the better part of the last 20 years in the 20 years, it's been the NFC North that has to change a lot of the thinking there. So yeah, I, I think it would be certainly a big factor. Lots to sort out and you are just the guy to do it. I'm sure we'll do this again soon, Ben guessing, and I'm sure we'll have an access Vikings podcast and not too long where Andrew can yell at me even more about, <laughs> uh, about Matthew Stafford and Kirk cousins. I should tell you today also that uh, we had our meeting downtown to just do some planning at the Strib, and, and they were like, yeah, bring bring lunch in. So in your honor, I made a run over to Taco John's nice. to, uh, to get a few tacos. First time in a while, but probably won't be the last time because I think we owe you tacos. From oh, that's right. Pets. That's so, right. Well, I'm, I'm usually in on Tuesday. On I'm usually in on Tuesday. Yeah, that's what I heard. So- We'll, uh, we'll, we'll make it happen. Just a coincidence, I'm sure. Just, just a coincidence. With, with Taco just a coincidence. <laughs> All right, Ben, appreciate well, it. We'll, we'll do an in-person Access Vikings here soon, and yes. we, can, uh, we can discuss it over tacos. I love it. Thanks, Ben. All right, thanks, Mike. Good catching up with Ben Gessling. It's going to be busy for him, I think, going forward here again with scouting combine not too far away. Obviously, the introduction of Kevin O'Connell coming up very soon. Free agency beginning in not too long as well. A lot of decisions to be made here in a short amount of time. One of the interesting, most interesting things, I guess, from that uh, conversation I had with Ben was just realizing that the Vikings are a little bit uh, a little bit on a compressed schedule now because of the hiring cycle, because they had to wait so long to start making some of these decisions and waiting for Kevin O'Connell. Some of these other teams who hired coaches and got them in a couple weeks ago have been at least preparing and getting ready for some of these things in more substantive ways but I'm sure they've had conversations at least about the direction they want to go with this team and I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens this offseason and my guess it's probably going to be less interesting than I hope it will be you know a lot of times in these first years it's a status quo kind of thing but um, fresh sets of eyes in both the GM position and the coaching position should yield at least some changes that should make 2022 different than it we've seen in recent years. Let's go to the Patrick Beverly extension for just a moment. Um, Timberwolves guard traded uh, part of the part of the trade they brought him in this last off season. Uh, by the way, getting 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 him for Jarrett Culver and Wancho Gomez was an absolute steal um signs a one-year 13 million dollar extension an unusual extension to me usually you see an extension um being a multi-year thing usually you see a one-year deal maybe as an off-season kind of move but you know beverly's 33 years old 
Um, you know, not going to be playing forever. The Wolves going to need some salary cap flexibility at a certain point as well. So probably don't want to load up too heavily on the back end of, you know, back end of a contract because you're going to be paying, you know, assuming you're going to keep D'Angelo Russell, if that's true, he's going to need a new contract soon. Cat's going to want a new contract in a year or so. So you don't want to be tying your cap up with too much spot, but no underestimating what Beverly has meant to this team. Um, you know, I've compared him a little bit impact wise to Jimmy Butler. And obviously he's not the same score. Jimmy Butler is, he's a different kind of player in a certain way, but just the, the toughness, the defense, the accountability that he has brought to this year's team cannot be overstated. He has been very good for this team. And, you know, if the Wolves are serious about winning going forward, this is a player you want on the roster. So a a good signal um, that he wanted to be here and a good signal um, that they are able to get this done and that he's going to be here at least for next season as well. Let's finish with the cooler. Major League Baseball, in their latest proposal to players, uh, talked about eliminating hundreds of minor league jobs, want to make the the size of the uh, reserve list in the minor leagues go from 180 to 150. Um, that's, I don't know, maybe players will go for this. I don't think they will, though. I don't think they're going to go. I don't think part of this negotiation is um, an eagerness to want to cut hundreds of jobs from Major League Baseball. Now, most of these probably would be you know, guys that didn't have a huge amount of opportunity to make the Major Leagues. It would probably be the lowest you know, the lowest part of uh, the, the minor league, uh, you know, the minor league uh, roster, but still, um, this feels like it's going backwards, not forwards. These negotiations, I, I just, I, where pitchers and catchers would be reporting this week, like right now, essentially, and that's not obviously going to happen. Going to miss some spring training time. I can't see at this point a path to start the season on time. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe there'll there'll be some sort of epiphany at some point, but. It's just another example of the owners, you know, and to a certain degree the players too, just being unrealistic about what each side wants. And it's just really too bad because I know a lot of people want baseball right now and could use some baseball in their lives. They like to go to spring training, see these games, and that is not going to happen right now. So figure it out, you guys. And I don't think cutting 30 spots from every team's minor league system is the way to figure this out. That will do it for me today. Some good stuff coming up on Wednesday and the rest of the week as well. Hope you will stick with me and listen to that. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow.